0: Our first reading for today comes from Psalm 77, and if you get to the beginning of the reading, the person cries aloud to God. As we'll see, they seem to be pretty distraught, pretty upset, and we pick up at verse 4. The psalm writer says, You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I say it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. And any of you ever wondered if you can question God? If you've wondered it, the psalm writer here has no trouble asking questions of God. They sound like they are in anguish, and they're really questioning, is God still just? Is God still merciful? And I think these questions give us permission to raise our own. And not just to ask God questions for the sake of questioning or being rebellious, but to seek deeper understanding The places where we honestly are wrestling with the things in this life or with God when it doesn't make sense. The psalm writer's overcome with his his doubts, and he starts to realize maybe that over and over that's what's going on in his mind, these doubts again and again. Like he's kind of made this maze in his mind of doubts, and so what's he going to do with them? He realizes he's just listening to his own doubts, and so instead of letting those doubts rule the day, he doesn't ignore them, he's named them before God, but now he decides that's not going to be his focus. Instead, he starts to focus on all that God has done, reciting all that he knows about God from Scripture or that others have told him, so that those doubts aren't all there is, but he starts to remember and name the ways that God has been faithful and so here it goes on in verse 11. He says, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people. The descendants of Jacob and Joseph, the word of the Lord. So it's not like the doubt is gone, but this psalm writer chooses to focus himself on what he hopes to be true about God. Over the next several weeks, we are starting into a series about doubt and faith, and this week we're doing an introduction for that series, and we've had over 65 people who filled out a simple survey, many of you here sharing some of your doubts, and I want to give thanks for all of you and those who did the survey for having the courage to name your doubts. I think we often think of doubt as the opposite of faith, but it's not the opposite of faith. It's a natural part of the life of faith. And if we go to the next slide, you can see a graph. It maybe isn't quite big enough for you to see, but you can see that most of us here who filled out the survey, we at one time or another struggle with doubts that it's part of the human condition. 58.9% of people who did the survey said yes, sometimes they struggle with doubt. Some said often. Some said they're not struggling right now, but they have in the past, and some said they aren't struggling. And some even said, one person said, I have doubts, but I don't feel like I struggle with them. (laughs) So I have them, but I'm okay with that, right? Which I thought was awesome. But when I think about living a life of faith, I sometimes step back and I look at all that we say we believe and it kind of stops me in my tracks. Sometimes I'm kind of like, what we believe is a little crazy. We say that someone rose from the dead, right? It's unprovable. I, like many of you, believe that Jesus is the savior, the healer of the world, and that the same Jesus loves every single one of us deeply that Jesus walked to this same earth over 2,000 years before us, and then he was brutally killed by those in power. And then three days later, a sealed tomb popped open, and all of a sudden he's alive, he's resurrected. And then in our reading for today that we're going to read from the gospel, Jesus still bears the wounds of crucifixion, but he has some kind of different resurrection body that can appear past locked doors. And all this news about Jesus is at the center of our faith, and it is not provable. But this is what we believe to be true. So no wonder we have questions and doubts. We believe in a loving and gracious God, and yet we live in a world that is very broken. And as some of you named your doubts, that's what a lot of them were around. Why is there so much evil and suffering in this world? So we looked at all the doubts that you shared, thank you, and we put them under some categories. We, weren't, we aren't going to be able to talk about every single doubt, but if we go to the next slide, we are talking about, is God real? Can we trust the Bible? What's the deal with prayer, or what is God's will? Why is there evil and suffering in our world? Or what happens after we die? Very real questions, and this is just the place to talk about them. All of us here are here on this Ash Wednesday along with thousands of Christians across the world where we are going to come forward and get marked by an ash cross and basically admit that we are limited, that there are times that we all doubt that the promises of God are true, that we've made a mess of things, and yet in spite of all that, Jesus claims us and meets us with his grace and his welcome and his forgiveness once again. let's look at our gospel reading for tonight it comes from the gospel of john chapter 20 and this gospel story takes place on easter evening so jesus has already appeared to mary and she's gone to the disciples and said i've seen the lord and they believe her right (coughs) no they don't believe her at all (laughs) they still are hiding out in locked rooms so she says i've seen the lord they don't believe her And then we get to our gospel reading for today. So I'll invite you to stand, just to get us moving around a little bit. And we stand because we believe the gospels, the good news about Jesus, is central to our life of faith. So from John chapter 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.'" He says to these disbelieving disciples who deserted him at his hour of need, the first thing he says to them is, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. The exact same thing Mary told them that they didn't believe. They now told Thomas, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, "'Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands "'and put my finger in the mark of the nails "'and my hand in his side, I will not believe.'" A week later, he goes a whole week without a Jesus sighting, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' Then he said to Thomas, "'Put your finger here and see my hands. "'Reach out your hand and put it in my side.' The Gospel of the Lord. you, Lord. You may be seated. So, over the years, I think we know that Thomas has gotten a really bad rap called Doubting Thomas. He often isn't seen as a hero in the story. Somebody who writes about this says that she notes growing up, she was told to not be like Thomas. But now, looking at him, she notes that here is a man who dared to confess uncertainty in the midst of those who were certain. Can you imagine doing that? Confessing uncertainty in the midst of those who were certain. He was willing to give voice to something that didn't sit well with him. And he wasn't just going to have blind faith, but he was going to have a faith that wrestles with the struggles of this world. Thomas was brave and courageous enough to voice his doubts. And I wonder if it's only by voicing them that we can live with them, move through them, and maybe even come to faith on the other side. Debbie Thomas is someone who writes about this, and she writes that what struck me most about Thomas's story is not that he doubted, but that he did so publicly, without any shame or guilt, and that his faith community allowed him to do so. What kind of a faith community would that be, to be able to voice your doubt, your struggle, to not feel shame or guilt in doing that, and have the faith community allow that? I shared several weeks ago, so some of you heard this recently, but I shared that there was a study done by the Fuller Youth Institute, and they found that over 70% of high school students that are involved in churches, over 70% of them experience serious doubts with their faith before they're done with high school. And only about a quarter of them ever share those doubts or questions with anyone. Only about a quarter of them ever voice those doubts. And the leader of this study said, it's not doubt that's toxic to faith. It's silence. It's unexpressed doubt. And the study went on to note that students who feel like they have a safe place to express doubts and struggles get through the transition into adulthood with faith. I think we all need to know that God's not afraid of our questions and our questions can be asked in church if we look back at our gospel reading I've highlighted the disciples and Thomas and Mary but we know that in the gospel reading the one to watch is Jesus because what does Jesus do with Thomas who's full of questions and doubts does Jesus dismiss him saying sorry Thomas you just didn't believe enough I'm done can you imagine Jesus ever doing that and yet how many of us wonder do I have enough faith am I believing enough would Jesus ever say, Thomas, I'm sorry, you just didn't quite make the cut? No, what does he do? Jesus meets Thomas like he meets every one of us, exactly where we are. Jesus talks with him, he speaks peace to him. And though Thomas goes down in history as quote, doubting Thomas, he actually ends up speaking the greatest statement of faith of anyone in the whole gospel. He not only calls Jesus my Lord. But he calls him what no one else calls him. He says, my Lord and my God. He calls Jesus my God, which no other disciple has done. Through Thomas' doubts, Jesus sticks by him and eventually brings him to even deeper faith. So what might God be doing through our doubts, through our fears? What fears and doubts are you carrying right now? What ones might be in the back of your mind that you don't think about often, you kind of push aside. Or maybe for some of you, some of your concerns and doubts are so big right now, far too big to ignore. Either way, know that if you have a hard time believing, we are in this life of faith together. I remember years ago hearing someone talk with someone at a church. And this woman at this church said, you know, I just can't believe anymore. She wanted to believe, she wanted to be in worship, she kept coming to worship, but she just couldn't believe. And the person said to her, that's okay, I'll believe for you until you can believe yourself. And just that assurance that she was not alone, that she could voice her doubts, that was all she needed to help her keep going. To keep her living in faith even when she couldn't feel it or believe it yet on her own. So whatever fears or doubts or worries you're carrying right now, know that you are not alone. There is a whole community of people who are here also carrying their own fears and worries and doubts, and we will keep faith for you until you can do it on your own. So whatever any of us is carrying with us, in just a few moments, we will have a chance to confess that to Jesus. We'll have a chance to confess that and then to receive that ash cross on our foreheads. Chance to admit that we don't have it all together, but that Jesus takes whatever we have and meets us there. Amen.